Would you turn with me this morning in the Bible to Ephesians? If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, would you raise your hand? And Our ushers have extra Bibles. Keep it up till they can see you. Use one of ours and uh, take the time, make the effort, turn to these references with us. Let your eyes rest on them. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now we, uh, we finished up last week on our series on faith. And there's something that's going over in my heart that uh, for next week and then possibly the week after that we may start something new, a new series. But we'll see what the Lord says. Uh, and the same thing is happening at, uh, on, on Friday. We're kind of at a transition place. But I had this on my heart to minister this morning, so believe with me, and uh, let's get exactly what the Lord wants to say to us. Let's pray, and then we'll read this and go further. Father, we thank you for everything that's already transpired. Thank you for your presence in this place, in our hearts, and in our lives. Uh, you make everything worthwhile. And Lord, our eyes are on you and our ears are open to you. Give us a heart that understands revelation, that your anointing manifest in us and on us. Show us what we've not seen. Remind us of what you've shown us but we didn't put into practice by your mercy. Show us how to practically apply and to live and do what you say. And we purpose by your grace not to be forgetful hearers or hearers only, but we will be doers. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed because you are so faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the, uh, the most important thing about our person and our being is our spirit. Did you know you are a spirit? And you have a soul and you live in a body. And uh, the, our inner man, the spirit of us, is the most important part. More important than uh, your mind. More important than your emotions and feelings. More important than your body. Everybody say the spirit. The spirit. It's more important. You know, Jesus said this in John. He said, uh, the flesh profits nothing. How much? Didn't say not much. What did he say? The flesh profiteth nothing. The the words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life, he had said it's the spirit that quickens. What's important? The spirit. Now, taking that understanding, we should understand that everything we deal with, what's the most important part of it? The spirit of it. Right? Okay, let's say you meet somebody. What's the most important thing about them? How they look. How they dress. Their gender. Their color. Their background. No. What's the most important thing about them? And, and you, don't, you don't know too much about that in five minutes. Right? You don't, you don't know that much about it just by looking at the outside. 
It could take a little while. Right? People are much more than a body. They're a spirit. What's the most important thing about your home? The spirit of it. Right? People walk into your home. It's not the architecture. It's not your fancy furniture. Right? It's not how wonderfully color-coordinated it might be. Or or if it's not. What's the most important thing? The spirit of it. Sometimes we say the feel of it. But really we're not talking about a physical feeling. And you're not even talking about an emotional feeling. It's the spirit of it. Everybody say the spirit of it. The spirit of it. it. What's the most important thing about a church? Hmm? Not the architecture. Not how much money they got. Not their numbers. Not their attendance. Right? What's the most important thing? Can you tell something about the spirit of a place when you drive on the parking lot? Hmm? When you come and sit down. Well, what's, what kind of spirit should the church have? Well, it should be the spirit of God. God is love. Is that right? So uh, the whole feel of the place should be, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different ways to say it. And to express it, we said, you know, giving is the chief expression of love. But you could give and it not have the spirit of love. Yeah, I mean, you could you could stand out and wave and you could shake hands and you could say, here, sit down beside me, but and but it not have the right spirit. Right? And, you know, people sometimes they go a-witnessing. And they're talking to somebody on the street or they're knocking on the door. And that could be okay, but what's the most important thing about it? The spirit of it. You could tell sometimes people are just wanting to put another notch on their pistol handle. (laughs) And the spirit of it is not what it should be. The most important thing of part of anything is what? The spirit of it. And so if we're talking about... let's. Keep going. A message. What's the most important thing about a message? How technically technically correct it is. Huh? I've had guys tell me before, there was an elder speaking. An elder in God, somebody had been faithful in God for many, many years. And, and used mightily of God. And they came to me and said, you know, that wasn't right. He said that was Proverbs, you know, 29.3. It wasn't. It was 3.29. You want to say, would you sit down? Would you hush? How ignorant can you be? <laughs> because what's the most important thing? The spirit. The spirit of it. Are you with me now? I, I've learned that over the years. I... Uh, I'm listening. Let's somebody, somebody's teaching and preaching. I'm reading a book. I'm listening to a tape. I'm hearing what is said. I'm hearing the words that are used. I'm hearing the scriptures that are used. But what mostly am I listening to? Spirit. I'm listening for the spirit of it. Yes. Right? Yes, sir. And, and with a minister, you know, what's the most important thing about their ministry? The spirit of it. And you have to you have to look at the whole thing, don't you? Yes, sir. To get the spirit of it. 
Man, this is so important, guys. The spirit of it. Now, uh, look with me here in Ephesians 4, and you're going to see that. The spirit of our dealings with each other. The spirit of God is the spirit of love. So when the spirit of if God is in it, love is in it. Every time. Not what some people call love. But the real thing. And it's unmistakable. Isn't that what Jesus said? By this shall all men know that you are mine. <laughs> You're my disciples. By what? By this love. By acting and, and responding and doing everything with this spirit. Are you all believing God with me this morning now? Man, this is really important. I, I, I do, we, we already have some of this. We just get testimonies all the time of people said they come to visit. I said, man, I just felt so good. I just enjoyed being there. I felt at home. I felt comfortable. I felt loved. Boy, that is music to your pastor's ears. Whew, I hear that and I just smile so big. I go, whew. Thank you, Jesus. But how many believe it can, it can come up? It can come up. It can come up. The, the spirit of God, the spirit of love manifest in us and around us and everything we do can come up so strong that healings take place before people get here. Amen. Deliverances happen before people can get in the door. Right? Revelation comes that gives people an answer when you shake their hand and nothing is said. Are you with me now? There are different levels of this. Because if love, the spirit of love is manifested so strong, that means God is manifested so strong. And when God is manifested in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Well, if there's fullness of joy, there's no lack. There's no defeat. Right? Because when he's manifest, it's kind of like, you know, walking into a place that's uh, roach infested. And what happens? You turn on the light. <laughs> right? I mean, man, the roaches run. Well, when you turn up the light, the devils run. Just the same way. They do. You turn up the glory of God. Turn up the love of God. Turn up the manifestation of the spirit of love. And man, the devils run. Sickness runs. Confusion runs. Poverty runs. Yeah, yeah. Now look in Ephesians 4 and verse 29. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How much? None. None. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister what? Grace to the hearers. Now this is, this is important. We'll see this again. Don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth. Is it important every word that comes out of your mouth? Oh, we haven't taken this seriously enough as a church, as a body wide. Everything that comes out of our mouth, either God is able to use it or the devil's able, able to use it. And that's why the scripture says we'll give an account. 
for every idle word. What, what does that mean? We didn't think there was anything to it. We'd just run in our mouth. But the devil was able to use it. And nearly every one of us in here could admit that there have been times we ran our mouth and it hurt people and it caused problems and we just weren't thinking. Right? Well, that's not okay. That's what he says. We're going to give an account of that. It'd be like me coming in here, you know. Somebody gave me some years ago a compound bow like you hunt with. And these razor-tipped arrows. Well, these things lethal weapons. And uh, what if I came in here this morning with my bow and my arrows? I had a bunch of them. And I came in here, and I got my eyes closed, and I said, I'm mad. I'm mad. Somebody made me so mad. I'm so mad, I just want to shoot some arrows. And so I just start shooting out here anyway. I just start shooting, 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 because I am mad. <laughs> and then I cool off, and I go, Oh, (laughs) and you're sitting there with an arrow stuck in you and you're bleeding. And I'm going, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shoot you. I I just got mad and just was blowing off some steam. Yeah, but you still shot. Maybe I didn't mean to. Maybe I wasn't even thinking about you. But you are still got an arrow sticking out of you. Now that's not just an illustration I came up with. That's from the Psalms. And from the Proverbs, he talks about that words are like arrows. How many know as long as you got your hand on the string, you're in control? You can say, I'm not going to say that. Right? Put it back. But the moment you let that thing fly, what? I mean, the moment you release that thing, you can't say, uh, 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 come, come back. It's gone. And it's going to find its mark wherever it was aimed. Friend, our words are so important. What did he say? Let no, how much? Zero corrupt communication. Now that covers a lot of ground. And and you can see what he's talking about by by what he goes on to say. Don't let any corrupt, anything corrupt come out of your mouth, but that which is what? Good. Well, then the other stuff would be bad. To the use of what? Edifying. Edifying. Well, then the other stuff, what's it going to be doing? Tearing Tearing down. Edifying means build up. Don't let anything come out of your mouth that tears somebody down. Say that out loud. Don't let anything come out of your mouth that tears someone down. Right? I don't care what reason you think you've got. Right? There is no justifiable reason. But that which is good to the use of what? Edifying. Building up. The Lord recently gave me a revelation. I won't go into it, but it was, it was a very special thing to me. But part of it was that people are going to remember after this life and in heaven the things that God used us to help them with, to edify them and build them up. They will remember it a thousand years from now. 
and a million years from now, that which helped their spirit, that which edified them and quickened them and enabled them to come out and to come up and to be more and to go further, they will remember you and they will remember that forever. And they'll bring it up to you in eternity and remind you of what you told them and how you helped them during that part of their life. Interesting, isn't it? Think about it. Search the scripture. Don't just take my word for it, but think about it. But how many understand there's going to be rewards? For what? For this kind of thing. Don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Now, we're going to look at a word today called gracious. And graciousness. And it has to do with grace. If you're ministering grace to someone with your words and what you're saying, then you are being gracious. We live in a world that don't know too much about being gracious. Right? But God is gracious. He's very gracious. How many of you have a desire to be like him? Then you must be gracious. Gracious. Look at your neighbor, whether they look like they believe it or not, and tell them, I'm gracious. I'm very gracious. (laughs) He said, let's keep reading now. He said, say that which ministers grace to the hearer, verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Let's just stop right here. What would grieve him then? Saying those things and doing those things that tear people down and hurt them and injure them, corrupt communication. He said, "Don't, don't grieve the Holy Ghost whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, how much? All bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. And be ye what? Kind. One to another. Did you know that is one of the main definitions of being gracious? Is being kind. Being gracious. I looked up a number of different you know, authorities on the subject, uh, language-wise. And they one said, uh, so many of them said this, to be gracious means to show favor. To show favor to. And uh, a number of them said this, to bend or stoop in kindness. To bend, you know what bend means, don't you? It's the idea like you would bend down. To somebody who's below you, or you know, physically, or maybe a little child, right? And when you bend down or you stoop down, you do what? It said in kindness. You you say and do something kind. Everybody say kind. Is the spirit of God kind? Is God kind? What's the opposite of kind? Cruel is right. You'll find this word numerous times in the scripture, harsh. 
and hard. God does not make people hard and harsh and cruel. Ever. Right? How many of little children are not born that way? Are they? Little ones do not come into this world mean and cruel and hard. Right? They have to learn that. They shouldn't learn it. Right? They shouldn't, and they certainly shouldn't learn it from us. Should we have a desire to be one of the kindest families on the block? Right? Be one of the kindest, most gracious churches anywhere. Be one of the kindest persons on the job. Gracious. But has it been sadly that a lot of people who were Christians and professed to be Christians and who, who were, you know, talked about the gifts of the Spirit and tongue talkers, being around people over a length of time, lashed out, spoke hard words, and were even cruel. Some of the meanest people on the planet are religious people. Did you know that? I mean, some of the meanest on the planet. They will knock you down. They will take your lunch. They will kick you and give you four scriptures why it's okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of the meanest people on the planet are, I I didn't say Christian. What did I say? Religion. Because Christian means like the Christ. And how is the Christ? Oh, (laughs) he's the kindest. He's the most gracious. He's the most wonderful. Can you say amen? Amen. Are you with me this morning now? You're going to help me with this, aren't you? Go with me to a scripture in Matthew 12. He said, put all that bitterness and all that wrath and all that anger and all that stuff away from you and be kind one to another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. It goes on to the next chapter. It says, walk in love. Everybody say, be kind. Be kind. Tenderhearted. tenderhearted. Now, what's the opposite of tenderhearted? Hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. It is so sad that men, women too, but men particularly, sometimes have have come, you know, been taught through different stuff through their life that, you know, to be tenderhearted is to be weak. And they don't want to be weak and they don't want to come across weak. But to be meek and to be tenderhearted, they equate it with weakness and something they don't want. What a lie. The opposite is true. Any weakling can be mean. Do you know that? And when people are mean and cruel, it's because they're weak. They're trying to compensate for a weakness and insecurity and a fear. Is Jesus weak? (laughs) You never saw anybody any stronger than Jesus. And what did he say? Come learn of me. What? 
Because I'm what? I, I am meek. I'm lowly of heart. Does that mean weak? Can you get weakness out of that anyway? Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in talking about that passage, one of the words had to do with, you know, his yoke not being hard or burdensome. And and that word means harsh and hard. If If we become hardened and harsh, I've seen ministers that over the years they became hard. Because people had mistreated them. Because they'd been through some bad experiences. And they figure, well, I, I just can't get close to people anymore. Everybody you try to help. You get close to them and they'll just, back, just backstab you and hurt you. And they get hard. Well, friend, God didn't make you that way. No. I've been carrying this burden of ministry for all these years. And it's made me hard. Oh, no, no. His yoke is easy. <laughs> His burden is light. And if you learn of Him, you won't be hard and bitter. You'll be humble and meek and kind and gracious. Phyllis and I were talking the other day. Somebody was saying, you know, they had been so beat up from so many years of ministry. And I thought, that ain't right. They were, t- they were talking about, you know, they'd been in ministry for, for uh, 25 plus years. And they'd been beat up and hurt. And I, I got to thinking about it. I thought, I've been in ministry that long. I ain't beat up. Somebody say, yeah, but Brother Keith, you have good friends and good partners. Hey, you got the same God I do. Come on now. People try to say, yeah, but, yeah, but you, you know, you got it easy. You know, you got, you got the same God I do. You got the same Bible. You got the same Holy Ghost. You got the same name of Jesus, right? We all got the same God. If one person's victorious, the other one can be. If one person's kind and free, everybody can be. And Jesus was tempted in all points. Right? Just like us. But he never sinned. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get cynical. He didn't get sarcastic. He didn't get mean. And he is not today. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. In glory. He's overcome. And he's kind. He's not bitter. How many people have tried to hurt Jesus? Tried to hurt his church? Tried to undermine his works and things? Is he bitter today? Is he sitting on the throne going, Ain't that something you try to help these earth people? I have done everything in the world for them. Can can you, but Michael, did you see that? Did you see that? Can you believe after all I have done for thee? Aren't you glad? He is not so petty and changing with the wind. Do you have to be? You don't have to be. I don't have to be. We can be every day of our life gracious, kind, tender-hearted. Y'all not quite as excited as I'd like for you to be about this. That's right. Just hold still. I'll preach to you some more. Where are you? Matthew 12. Look there. Matthew 12. Somebody say kind. Gracious. Now let me, let me just stop right here before I read this. There is 
a false love and a fake sweetness. Have you ever encountered it? People are just so kind and butter won't melt in their mouth. And you can just tell something ain't real about this. And and you you know they they're just the kindest, sweetest, they're just too sweet. And boy, push comes to shove on something and you see them change. Something comes over their face and ooh, they get mean as a junkyard dog. And after they get through lashing everybody real good, they go, oh, 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 (laughs) but I love you. (laughs) And uh, I want you to know that I'm sweet. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) I despise that, don't you? That's, That's a mockery of the real thing. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the real thing. Right? You don't put on some fake voice. You're you. Right? You don't do something to be seen and noticed, and then you do something else when you're behind closed doors. You're you every day. Everywhere. Right? But you're kind. Every day. Everywhere. How many know if you can walk in love with the people at your house? You can walk in love anywhere, right? If you can be kind to the people that live where you live, you can be kind to anybody, right? I mean, that's the deal. (laughs) Matthew 12, we're talking about Jesus is kind. Look at this uh, scripture prophesied concerning him and then was fulfilled as he lived it. Matthew 12 and 18. Well, verse 17. Matthew 12, 17. That that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Let's just stop right there. Is there a period after that? No. No, it's just a pause. Now, we know the Lord's pleased with him. What pleased him so much? Well, we know without faith it's impossible to please God. So he must have been operating in faith. But we also know that faith works by love. Notice this. In whom my soul is well pleased, I'll put my spirit on him. He'll show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry. Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. Now, let's just stop right here. What does that mean? What do you usually hear when you hear somebody in the streets? Huh? Harshness. We ain't going to take it. Bitterness. Right? Resentment. They said, you'll never hear that out of him. Right? Did Jesus ever lead a mob? Mm -mm. wouldn't be a part of one. There were no walkouts, no sit-ins, no protests, no marches. Hmm? 
<laughs> well, some folk didn't like that. <laughs> what did it say? Nobody will hear his voice in the streets. Now, they heard him preach. So it couldn't refer to that. But what's it talking about? He will not strive or cry. He won't be in strife. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians that God's not the author of confusion. Actually, the word author is not there. It just says God is not in it. He's not in confusion. So if you're in confusion, you're in there by yourself. Because he won't be in it. And if you're in strife, how many understand where there's strife, there's envy, there's every evil work. The Lord told me this years ago, I wrote it down. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. He said, that's why you must have zero tolerance for it in your home, in your, in your family, in your ministry, in your church. Zero. No strife. None. There's no room for any of it. Why? Because if we let it go, then that means I'm letting the devil manifest his presence in our ministry and church. You can't have that. I said, you can't have that. Who's supposed to be manifesting in this church? God. God, the Spirit of God. How about your house? How much strife is okay? Well, now, how do you have strife? Do you have strife with a bunch of people being kind and tenderhearted to each other? You can't have it. Somebody's got to get mean. Somebody's got to get hard. Right? Somebody's got to speak harsh words and get pushy. Hmm? <laughs> now get this verse 20. This is, this was prophesied by Isaiah actually in, uh, Isaiah 53 too. Don't turn there, but it said, He'll grow up before him as a tender plant. Everybody say tender. tender. As a root out of dry ground. He, he, he will, he will be a tender plant. And notice verse 20, it goes on to say this in Isaiah. A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench. Till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. This gives you a lot of insight into him and how he operated. Nobody ever heard him screaming in the streets. Nobody ever saw him involved in any strife. Right? And notice his heart, a bruised reed. What does that mean? What's a reed? It's a hollow plant. Somebody ran over it with the wagon. It's bruised. What will Jesus do? He'll take it and not break it. And what else? A what? Smoking flax. He won't put it out. Dying ember and smoky. How many understand this represents people? Yeah. Bruised reeds. Smoking flags. People that are down and weak and hurting. Ain't much life left in them. Ain't much going on there. How many know that the right person can, can cup around them and blow on that ember? Let's get that smoke to turn into something else. Right? Let's blow some compassion on there. Some faith on there. Right? 
What if somebody's hobbling and broken and, and, and bruised and dragging along? Well, we're not just going to run over them and go, ah, only the strong survive. <laughs> Boom, what was that? I don't know. Keep driving. <laughs> Everybody say tender, tender. kind. Glory to God. Whew, thank you, Master. Matthew 11, verse 30 in the Amplified. You don't have to read it. But he said, my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. The Lord said, my yoke. This is the Amplified. My yoke is comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. First Peter 2 says, if you tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious. Is He gracious? He is so gracious. Go with me to Philemon, please. And let's look at, to me, one of the most outstanding examples in the New Testament. Of graciousness. Because this, this whole, you know, just one chapter in Philemon. And this whole letter is just a, a lesson in graciousness. Before I read it, let me just try, try to go further a little bit with this. Do you understand how God, what's the word? He abhors violence and cruelty did you know that's why the flood came did you know that let me read don't don't turn there you're going where are you going philemon but let me read this to you in genesis 6 it said the earth was depraved and putrid in god's sight and the land was filled with violence Everybody say violence. And God looked on the world and saw how degenerate and debased and vicious it was. Everybody say vicious. All humanity had corrupted their way on the earth and lost their direction. And God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh. For through, through men, the land is filled with violence. Why? What's the reason, say God? God said, this can't continue. Judgment has to come. What was grieving him so bad? The violence. What was that other word we saw? Viciousness. Viciousness and violence. Now you might think, well, Brother Keith, I I don't want to be like that. I know you don't. And I don't either. But the whole world around us is permeated with it. And if you don't do something to keep your mind renewed and fellowship with God some, then you'll just get sucked into it. And you'll be yielding to it, and you'll be acting that way, and you'll be talking that way, and you'll be mean. I know a minister, I won't call his name, but I'm internationally known. And it's not Brother Copeland. <laughs> or Brother Hagen. Internationally enough, I call their name, almost everybody in here would know him. And he took me aside, you know, not too long ago. He said, Brother Keith, I was just mean. He's talking about how he had done some things and handled some things. He's a good man. Don't misunderstand. See, if he wasn't a good man, he probably wouldn't be saying that. He wouldn't be admitting it. That's right. Right? 
He said, I, I didn't see it. I was, I was just mean. In the name of doing what I was supposed to do. How many understand there's, there's no excuse for being hard and harsh? Can you do the same thing in a completely different way? Can you get the same thing done, but approach it? Well, what's the most important thing? The spirit of it. Not just what you did, but how you did it. Can you, can you come down like a ton of bricks and go, now you're going to do it. This has to be done and you're going to do it. Or else. Is there another way to do that? Is there another way? There's wisdom. God is so smart. There are ways you can approach people. And, and before you're gone, uh, they were corrected severely. And they didn't even hardly realize it. Until after you're gone and they go, huh. <laughs> okay. I, oof, I didn't see that one coming. But man, I needed that. Glory to God. There, there's such wisdom and such grace in God if we'll take the time. Everybody say, take the time. See, you got, you got to want to. you got to put forth an effort. It's easier just to open your mouth and say what you feel. It takes some effort, doesn't it? To check your heart, to wait. So many times, you, timing's important on things. Right? So many times, it's just not time to talk about this. People are not ready. They don't want to hear it. You don't, you don't have the wisdom anyway right now to deal with it. Just be cool. Sometimes it's, ne- it's tomorrow, sometimes it's next week, sometimes it's six months from now. Sometimes it's a year from now. And the situation will be right, and you'll have the words, and you'll know how to say it. Does it make any difference to you how people say the same thing? Hmm? And you go to a restaurant, and somebody slap the silverware down and say, well, what do you need today? Or they lay it down softly and move the napkin and say, what can I do for you today? Almost the same action, almost the same word, but a world of difference. What's, what's the difference? The spirit, the spirit of it. You're talking to your husband. You're talking to your wife. You're talking to your kids. Right? You need to look at your effect that you have on people. You know, there's a specific word in Colossians to the husbands. Right? And it says, husbands, don't be bitter against your wife. One translation says, don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. Right? Be strong, yes, but don't be harsh. Be what? Be kind. Be sweet. Philippians says, let your, one translation says, let your sweet reasonableness be known to all men. Now I'm trying to get to a place where we can read Philemon, but you know, you gotta be with me. Are y'all with me so far or not? Are you interested in this? Now you understand this is not, uh, you know, it's not just between me and you. It's between you and God. Right? Said out loud, I am kind. I am tender hearted. I forgive. I, forgive. I, walk in love. I walk in love. So the Bible said love does no ill to his neighbor. You, 
when you realize, you know, sometimes people do things without realizing it. Like we talked about shooting arrows. Have you ever seen somebody walk through a door and throw it open because they weren't paying attention to what they were doing and they hit somebody that was coming through? Huh? Person standing over there with their nose busted and the tears rolling down their face. What should you say? Well, you shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> or should you care that they're standing there hurting? And that you caused it. Should you care? Right? And you can tell. You can, you can say things to people. It could be people on the job. People that are under you. People that work for you. People that you're the supervisor over. Should you care that what you say pierces them like a knife and hurts them? Now sometimes people are too, they wear their feelings on their sleeve and they're too easy to get hurt. I know that, but at the same time, should you care enough to try? Right? You should. You should care enough to try. Try to say it the right way, right time. You know, as, as, uh, ministers and leaders, Phyllis and I talk about this all the time, there have been times where we've dealt with people who weren't doing right. And sometimes four or five in a row that were rebellious. And I just mean, you know, they just need to get right with God. And you got to deal with somebody else. How many understand it's not fair to the person you're going to talk to next? That you come in there already aggravated about what you've been dealing with all day long. That ain't right. But it's easier said than done. Now, it's not just for me. This is for you. There are times when something has rubbed you the wrong way and it's frustrated you, but you've got to stop a minute before you go through that door for the next person. Or you let them in and you go, no, no, just wait just a minute. This person has got nothing to do with this over here. I've got to get this separated in my thinking. And I've got to be kind. Right? Philemon. You got enough time for us to finish this? Philemon. This is a letter from Paul, the Spirit of God through Paul, to a man named Onesimus. And, uh, well, let's see, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it wrong. About a man named Onesimus to a man named uh, Philemon, obviously. And this man, as you'll see, he got saved under Paul's ministry. And Paul is his spiritual father. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But this man apparently had somebody who was a servant of his. Some uh, commentators think that he must have stole money from this man and hurt him. And it sounds like he did. And Paul meets this guy in jail. Well, why would he be in jail? Right. It caught up with him, I guess. But in jail, he meets Paul. Paul meets him. He gets saved. He gets filled with the Spirit. And Paul writes to this guy that, I don't know, maybe he stole all his money. Maybe he hurt him in different ways. And this is what he says. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Now, the, all these words, dearly beloved, is this just standard greeting? 
Why does he use this? Tenderness. Kindness. To our beloved, says it again. And to our beloved Aphia and uh, Archippus. Or one fellow said Archipus. <laughs> That's a southern Missouri pronunciation. <laughs> our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, just a standard greeting or? No. 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 He said, uh, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord and toward all his saints. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Wherefore... Though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you or charge you that which is convenient or what you ought to do, yet for love's sake I rather beseech you or appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul is now older. He's been faithful for decades of ministry. He suffered untold things to get the job done. This man found out about Jesus through his ministry, and he said, you know, I could charge you to do this, but I'm not. In love, I'm appealing to you. Here's the man. He's in the position of authority. He is the elder. He is the apostle. He is this man's father in the faith. And he doesn't say, now you're going to have to do this. What did he say? Are you listening, friends, now? He said, for for what? Verse 9. For love's sake. This, This is a picture of being gracious. Can you hear it? Can you see it? You could come across this way. Sometimes even have a right to come across a certain way. But you back off and you say, um, no, no. Well, you have to do it. No, nobody has to do anything, really. they got a free will. You said, no, I'm appealing to you. I'm appealing to you. Being Paul the aged and a prisoner, he's in a jail cell. Did you ever notice that in none of his letters from jail does he talk about how bad it is in jail? And how hard it is not to have your freedom? And hmm, No. He said, I beseech you. Uh, that's a, that's a, what, what does that word mean, beseech? Man, that's a, can, can you see what's happening? Stooping in kindness. I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to you unprofitable. But now he's profitable to you and to me, whom I have sent again. Now therefore receive him that is my own bowels, my very heart. Whom I would have kept with me, retained in your stead, that he might have ministered to me in the bonds of the gospel. But without your mind would I do nothing, that your benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. Does it matter to God whether you feel like you have to do something or it's willingly? Oh, it's so big. It's so big. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season. Let's just stop right there. Perhaps. Does this man know God? But listen how he talks. He said, perhaps 
he departed for a season that you should receive him forever. A lot of people are too adamant about it was God. It was the will of God. You could see it. He said, perhaps. Everybody say gracious. gracious. Perhaps, you know, he left for a while so you could get him back forever. Now, I'm reading this, but I want you to hear the Spirit of God through Paul. Can you hear him through these words? He said, uh, now, not just as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If you count me a partner, well, do you think he did? Came up under his ministry. He said, you know, if, if you feel like that I'm a partner with you, would you receive him like you would me? Everybody say gracious. gracious. Now, what else are we, are we? Are we just hearing Paul here? We're hearing Jesus. Is this him? He said, would you receive? Now, this is a man that has stolen from him, hurt him, failed him, betrayed him, left him high and dry. He might have had some stiff feelings about this. But Paul is saying, you know, would you, uh, if you count me a partner, would you receive him like you would me? And if he has wronged you, or if he owes you anything, would you just put that on my account? He said, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. This is a legal document that I'm signing. I will pay it back. Everybody say gracious. gracious. Mm. Albeit, I don't, uh, he said, I, I don't say to you I'm not, uh, how you owe me even your own self. He said, we won't get into that. <laughs> how that really you owe me <laughs> your whole self. He said, but just forget about that. And um, I'm putting my hand on this paper here. If he owes you anything, I don't know what he stole from him or, or wronged him. He said, uh, I'm a man of my word. If I tell you I'll pay it, I'll pay it. Would you put that on my account? And uh, I will repay it. Here's my hand signature. Everybody say gracious. gracious. Then he says, uh, Yes, brother, let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I wrote to you, knowing that you will also do more than I say. Is that gracious? He said, now you better do what I told you to do. You're going to do it now, ain't you? You better. (laughs) He said, now, I know you're going to do it. I I know you'll do more than what I asked for. You're just that kind of man. How many know you believe in somebody? They will come up to what you believe in them. They will. He said, and how about you prepare me a place too? For I trust that through your prayers, because know what a praying man you are, I'll be given to you. I'll be out of here for long. You and I'll be at your house. Yeah, eating supper. He said, uh, Epipro. Epaphras says hi, and Marcus and Aristarchus and Demas and Lucas, they all say hi too. And he said, the grace of our, the what? The what? The what? How does he end this thing? See, we've heard this so much, we think that's just standard Christian closings. 
I feel like I'm out of time, but I'm not quite through. Could you take one more thing? The what? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is not just words. He's ministering something to this man to do what he asked him to do with. Oh, come on now, guys. Come on. He's saying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, what? Be with your spirit. This is ministry. He's just like laying hands on somebody. You can minister through words. Now go with me to this last one. I think it's the last scripture. I thought that one was. Uh, where is this, Lord? Help me with this. Uh, Luke 10. Luke 10. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for staying hooked. You know, sometimes your flesh gets through before your spirit does. Have you ever noticed that? Then when that happens, what's it time to do? Put your flesh under, right? Stay hooked. Now, you need to know this in reading your Bible, in praying, in meetings, everything else. Now, you can keep going after you get through. And that's not good. Uh, Someone said, well, what's, what's happening right now? Well, just stay hooked. <laughs> you don't have to figure it out. <laughs> Luke 10, are you there? Luke 10. Notice this. Paul closed this out. The Spirit of God did through him. And you see it so many times. He said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now look what Jesus told his own disciples to do. And you'll get a clearer picture of what's happening there. Luke 10 and verse 6. Verse 5. Luke 10, 5. Jesus said, into whatsoever house you enter... The first thing you say is what? Peace, peace to this house. B is, B is added by the translator. Peace to this house. Is that just a standard greeting? No, sir. Peace to the house. No. What's in the fridge? Huh? Howdy, how y'all doing? Peace to the house. Mm-mm. Well, then when he closes out the letter with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. Is that just like saying sincerely yours, Paul? No, no, no. Because the reason why we have all that stuff to contend with is because our society does not understand words. It's just talk to them. But how many understand God never just chats? Everything he says comes to pass. So he can't just chat and say dumb stuff. Because it would happen. Right? And you and I are being trained to do the same thing. Our words are supposed to carry weight and power. And when we walk in and we say, peace to this house. What's supposed to happen? Actual peace is to manifest in the house. When you say grace to you, same thing. Now look, he said, you walk into the house, 
The first thing you say, first thing, first say, peace to this house. Now get this, and if the son of peace be there, your peace. Now this is so important. He didn't just say my peace. What did he say? This is something you carry with you. Your peace will rest on it, and if not, it will turn to you again. Now, the, the term son of peace is what I wanted you to see. Another translation say, if a peace-loving man lives there. Another one said, if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. Oh, help me to get this out, Lord. The you, if you're going to enjoy grace, you must be a son of grace. If you're going to enjoy favor, how many believe for favor and pray for favor? You must be a, a son of favor, which is another way of saying son of grace. Oh, I've seen it so many times. Where people pray, oh God, give me favor, give me favor, give me favor, give me favor with, I gotta go deal with those people, and I gotta have, I got a business dealing, and I got a buyer, and I got a seller, and I got some things that need, I need, I need favor to get this thing done and to get it through. Give me favor. God will hear that prayer. If you pray it in faith and expect, He will get things moving. People will think about you before you ever get there. Maybe the day before, maybe the week before, and for some reason, They just like you. And for some reason, they want to do something for you. And they want to, they want to do something extra for you. And and they want to give you favor. But I've seen people show up and act like a heathen and disrupt their favor. And favor was already working towards them, but they didn't know it. They didn't see it. But they show up and start demanding and act ill and unkind and pushy and cruel. And that person, you know, they're a sinner sometimes. Or they're not living right. And they just go, oh, forget that. And the favor is never manifested. Oh, come on. Do you see this now? You, you walk into a house. You say, peace to the house. Does everybody enjoy the peace? No. If there's what? A son of peace. Well, what's a son of peace? Somebody that loves peace. Somebody that ministers peace and, and receives If they're there, that peace will come on them. If you want favor, what do you got to be and do? You got to be a son or a daughter of favor. You got to show up and be so gracious. And be so kind. Hmm? You gotta be kind. Oh, I've seen this so many times. I, I know I'm, I know I'm through, but I, I just, I got another illustration or two for you. I, uh, I've seen this so many times. Phyllis and I, before we got to our own aircraft, traveled commercially all the time. And I've seen it so many times where, you know, the flights were canceled, the place was a madhouse, and everybody's going up to the person at the ticket counter and just chewing on them. You got to do this, and you better give me a refund, you got to get me, and boy, you can just see these, the stress on these people, and, and it's just going from bad to worse. I remember one time we were in a place that was packed out, I, we had to be there that night for me to speak, and I mean, it just didn't look good at all. Well, first thing you do is you pray. Lord, help us with this. Work this thing out for us. Give us favor. It's your, this is your job. It's your ministry. It's your church over there. 
cause this thing to work out for us and then get in faith and then rest. Faith is a rest. We stood in line, stood in line, stood in line, stood in line. We got there. Phyllis was in front of me and she talked, and this guy, Bless his heart. He looked up like, like that poster I saw one time. That the, the, there was a picture of this woman and her hair was sticking up in every direction and her eyes were bloodshot and it said, I've got one nerve left and you're on it. He, he looked rough. And, and Phyllis looked at him and she said, Sir, uh, I can see you have a lot you're dealing with. I'm sorry. You having to do with all this today? Uh, you know, we're trying to get to so-and-so. Uh, can you help us? Kind to him, looked at him, called him mister. How many, how many understand just a kind mister in some situation like that can just it do something for you? He kind of brightened up. He said, uh, well, thank you. Uh, I don't know. Everything's such a mess, you know, and, and I, I'm just I'm probably not. And she said, well, okay, but could you check? And he said, Okay, all right. So he's clicking, and it's amazing how many clicks it takes. <laughs> to find. <laughs> I mean, he typed for like 15 minutes, and then he said, and then he said, hmm, more and more clicking. And he said, really? That's amazing. <laughs> and he stopped, he looked at us, and uh, she said, good and he said where's your bags we said well right over there he said he looked around he said follow me (laughs) the place is packed i mean it is just wall-to-wall people and they're all mad except for us and two or three other people i saw but we got behind him and we followed and, and we went through, this was before 9-11 and we went through doors that said do not enter and, and authorized personnel only in and, and we went, went all over the place and we boarded this plane, I don't know where it was at and we walked on and we were, and we walked straight through into first class which we were not. And he sat us down and he put the bags on it and we said this is, this is for us. He said yep, yep. We said thank you. Now let's just drop it. What is that? favor it's a favor of god but then listen to what he told her he looked at phyllis and he looked at me he said those other people because several of the people before us man they cussed him they were so mean they were ugly he said those people before you they didn't know it but i could help them or hurt them that's what that's what he said that's what he said we said well sir we thank you for helping us thank you so much and he said you're very welcome. And he left. <laughs> now let me, what am I saying? What if Phyllis and I had showed up there and acted ill and mean? Could it have affected our favor that God is already working for us? If you're going to experience favor, you must be a son of favor. Oh, are you getting it now? Now here's another thing. I went in when I had a car, a new car. And uh, I went in after work, and something was wrong with it, warranty deal, and I was going to get it worked on, and boy, the place was a madhouse. Cars everywhere, and a lot of guys in suits, there's a nice cars there, and, and, and they were chewing on the guys in the uniforms, working on the cars. I mean, they were, being, they were being uppity, they were being mean, I told you such and such, and why isn't my car ready, and da 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 and I mean, in foul language. I waited, and I waited, 
And finally I got to this guy. He looked at me like, what do you want? <laughs> They're having a bad day around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All this strife and all this anger. And I looked at his name tag, and, and, and it was Bill or Bob or something. I said, Mr. Bob. He looked at me immediately like, like he hadn't heard that in a while. <laughs> Mr. Bob. Because <laughs> I had a suit on, and he didn't. His hands were greasy. What difference does that make? I said, uh, Mr. Bob, I said, uh, I can see you're busy. <laughs> I can see you are. And I don't know if you can help me. Or How many understand when you're in faith, you're trusting God to make this thing work. Right. You're putting no pressure on them. Right. Your eyes are not on them. You're not pressuring them. Yeah. Faith puts no pressure on people. So I said, you know, I, I see you're busy and, and maybe you can't, you know, uh, get to me right now. I said, but he said, well, what's wrong? And I said, well. I said, so-and-so with the car. He said, where's your car? I said, it's right over there. He said, follow me. <laughs> so I followed him, and he got my car, and he pulled it around everybody, and he pulled it right up in the slot. And, boy, they looked at me like, what did you do? What did you You gave him money, didn't you? You put money in it. I just treated him like a human being. Amen. And we're believing for favor. And if you're going to have favor, you've got to be... A son of favor. And he said, we'll take care of you, Mr. Moore. I said, thank you, Mr. Bob. (laughs) Real simple. How many understand this is how life's supposed to be all the time? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. No. Appreciate it. Oh, that's great. Fine. Hmm? Tenderhearted. Kind. Gracious. Just like our master. And what's going to happen to you when you start living like that and talking like that all day and all night? You're going to step up into a world of favor. Oh, everywhere you go, everybody you see, every way you turn, there's going to be favor and grace. Grace and favor. Favor and grace. And you're going to feel like you're just living in a dream of favor. But it's real. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Let's lift up our hands and thank God for the favor of God and the grace of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's praise Him and thank Him some more. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Close your eyes if you would. Either affirm or reaffirm your faith today. You're watching by internet or TV. Be sure you do this with us. Said out loud. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross, paid the full price for all my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. King of kings, Lord of lords, soon to come again. Jesus, you are my Lord. I will serve you all my days. Thank you for loving me 
and being gracious to me. The love of God is in my heart. And I walk in love with everybody, everywhere, every day. I am gracious. I am kind. I am tender-hearted all the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, let's sing it to Him again. You're so merciful. You're so kind. So understanding and patient. You're so merciful, you're so kind, so understanding and patient all the time. You were slow to be angry and ready to forgive. You're so merciful, you're so kind. We're going to be dismissed singing this. And what we're going to be today, we're going to be merciful and kind and gracious. And all this week on the job and with our family and our spouse and our children. And just for the rest of our life, we're going to be like Jesus. Gracious and kind. This is the first time you've ever confessed Jesus as your Lord. As we're dismissed and people are leaving, don't go out the back. Come down to the front. There'll be people standing here ready to talk to you. You need to tell somebody else, I've received Jesus today. Let us join with you and encourage you. You're watching by internet. Email us, write us, call us. Let us encourage you, hook with you. you got a family. You'll never be alone. You're part of the great family of God now. What if everybody at the house was kind all the time. What kind of house would it be? What kind of home would it be? That's us. I said, that's us. All day, all night, all your life. Let's sing it as we go.